can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge it by a podcast. This is Bibliovile. Each episode, my fiance Sue and I force each other to read the worst book we can find and discuss them sight unseen. This week, Mick read Think Like a Billionaire by Donald Trump, and I read The Accidental Werewolf by Dakota Cassidy. Welcome to Bibliovile. This is our second episode. We're very excited to be recording from our walk-in closet in our apartment. Um, Last time you heard us chat a little bit about how we started doing this. Um, We go to our local library, check out the worst books we can find, swap, and each has to read the book that the other picked out. Um, And we've we've got some doozies for you tonight. It's going to be quite an interesting time, I think. Yeah, well, it's always interesting when uh, the Don is involved because, uh, as you heard in the intro, I had to read Trump, because his name is in, is, heaven forbid it's not in the title, Trump, colon, Think Like a Billionaire by Donald J. Trump and co-author. But, uh, you know, that was kind of a life advice thing. We'll get into it. But what you read was a little bit more bibliovile tradition. Yeah. So last time... Mick had to read a book that I thought was the worst book in all of existence. I didn't think it could get any worse than a collection of Christmas-themed sex novellas. But I think his pick for me this week, (laughs) it it didn't quite top it, but it is up there. An Accidental Werewolf by Dakota Cassidy. And sweet goodness, it was atrocious. Every single part of it was atrocious. Like, I I can't even... I'm so excited to talk about it. Because I want to share how bad it is with the world. <laughs> I can't contain this I have not by heard, myself anymore. I have not heard a word about it due to our rules. Uh, we do not talk about the books with each other because I want to be surprised, along with you guys listening, uh, both of you, um, about what was in this terrible, terrible book. So some we, did, we do have some other rules that I should probably review. Uh, when we get to the library, we do no graphic novels. So no comic books. Uh, I don't know how to read comic books. I get confused and scared easily. I'm like a little squirrel. Uh, And also nothing too long. Uh, It's hard enough to read these books as it is. Uh, Heaven forbid they actually drag on for a while. I felt like the accidental werewolf dragged on for so long, though. It it can't have dragged on. It's not even that long, but goodness gracious, it was hard to read. Is three hundred and twenty pages. Was... That is three hundred and nineteen pages too long. Oh, you would have read a single page of the accidental werewolf. Like, whoops! I'm a werewolf. The end. I mean, that was pretty much what it was. <laughs> like, we'll get into that later, but that was about it. Um, this started a while ago. Uh, back on the personal blog that I have that I forgot to plug last episode because I'm a bad person, um, and a bad promoter. That uh, blog can be found at opinionsandother.blogspot.com. It's called a parenthetical outburst because, let's face it, I'm bad with titles. Uh, So I suppose I should get going with Trump, colon, think like a billionaire. And I have to say, uh, as we go in, just, I'm a white, straight man. I have really nothing to fear from Donald Trump. So I think watching the entire establishment come down upon itself is fun to watch instead of, like, legitimately terrifying. Uh, that being said, this book was written in 2004. So if you're expecting the current campaign era Trump uh, in writing, I'm sorry to say that does not come across very well. But in other words, Think Like a Billionaire, the subtitle of this book, 
uh, is often the Republican motto when it comes to convincing people to vote against ta- or vote for tax cuts. You know, you're in the lowest tax bracket, but think like a billionaire. So I guess it makes sense. Just looking at the cover, there's a photo of Trump and he's he's leering at me. Oh, well. The uh, the main thing I got from this book, the the plot summary of it is it's just advice. It is not necessarily his life, although there is a the longest section of the book is an hour by hour breakdown of a week oh, that he has no. at Trump Tower, just his job. Uh, what is his job uh, like these days anymore? Like now, I know like at the current moment, his job is running for president, yeah. and I know that he like made his fortune in real estate, but like. What does he do in a, in a day? Like, I'm actually kind of legitimately curious about that. Well, you and other people who are willing to buy this book, uh, the that section comes at near the end because he claims that it's the thing most people are interested in uh, because they, I think they want to emulate him for God knows what reasons. Um, but I seem to pick up that he's still involved with real estate in the sense that he's slapping his name on buildings. Um, a wise man on the internet once said that Donald Trump lives like how a cartoon hobo expects a rich person to live like you know when i get me my money after i move out of this train station i'm gonna buy me a big old building i'm gonna slap my name there right on the top <laughs> and i'm gonna put gold on everything and date only the finest supermodels that i pay to date me so donald trump is a is a cartoon hobo's rich person uh but the the advice he gives is surprisingly fine like it can't get very out there. I mean, what's the most out there advice you can give when saying how to buy a house? It doesn't really happen. Like, his advice is yeah. don't compromise for a, a crappy house because you'll have to live there. It's like, all right, Donald Trump. And I could, I should say that in every piece of advice gets its own chapter. So opening randomly, <laughs> uh, this is a random chapter of advice I have open to, and it's how to decorate interiors. Uh, everything is about like that, and it's about two and a fifth pages long, Ugh. and that's a particularly long one. How to landscape is one and a three quarters, and is basically hire someone to do it for you. Uh, so it's very, sh- very short um, little bursts of all right advice, I suppose. Um, and you know, some things that surprised me were on the blurb. They called him the authority on career renovate re- reinvention, career reinvention. It's like, hasn't he been doing real estate his whole life? And yes, it just happens that he went into debt. So Yeah, so was his idea of career reinvention like, oh, I bankrupted myself. Now I have to start over. I suppose. <laughs> it's been just an endless cycle of that. I suppose, but my, my authority on career renovation is definitely Ice Cube. You know, gangster rapper to family-friendly movie uh, star uh, does not I mean, happen I very suppose. often. He also quotes himself as the very definition of an American success story. And that's really hard to argue, seeing as his dad was a billionaire, and he's gotten the benefit of the doubt multiple times for being white and male. So he is the definition of an American success story. Uh, That being said, he actually is pretty surprisingly uh, self-deprecating, which you would not expect from Trump in a book. Um, He talks about, he, he, you know, the John Oliver thing with the make donald trump again oh yeah yeah and it supposedly like eviscerated donald trump according to all the blogs uh he brings up that story in this book that his uh ancestors were trumps oh really yeah see that makes it way less fun knowing that he's like yeah this was a thing he talks about like 
uh, people write newspaper articles and thank goodness they don't mention my hair or something like that. <laughs> uh, so it's not too bad. There's not too many out of the ordinary things. Like he wasn't saying the things he is now because, uh, spoiler alert for the rest of this, he doesn't believe them even now because Donald Trump doesn't believe anything. Uh, if you listen to a Donald Trump speech in the year of our Lord 2016, by the way, more 2015 when he was going crazy, uh, you can hear like open contempt in his voice for the people that are cheering for him. It's really funny. Like he uh, very obviously hates the people that he's pandering to. Well, the weird part about it though is that he's pandering to them, but he doesn't actually say anything. Like, was it like that in the book? Did, was it just like a bunch of empty like? repeating certain catchphrases over and over again or did he actually like no. say anything of vague substance no there there was a, there's a weird subplot about him picking the chairs for a ballroom <laughs> like this isn't a plot-based book but it came up in a lot of chapters in a weird way okay <laughs> yeah um but no he doesn't do the i i had an idea to come on and do this like in character as a trump guy and be like this book has so many pages, and you know, there's information on pages, so this many pages combines to have some great information, assumably. But it's not like that, because all he does is crowd work, like a stand-up comedian. We'll get to the whole, I don't, he doesn't believe in anything thing later, because that's like my, my main point. Uh, some Donald Trump stuff that you would expect is his complete lack of understanding of how the other half lives. Uh, he says, don't depend on technology. I don't have a computer on my desk. I don't use an intercom. When I want someone in my office, I yell. It works a lot better than an inter intercom, and it's much faster. Which sounds like Donald Trump just yelling. But here's the one. I don't even have an ATM card. I've never used one in my life. That's the funny thing about being rich. When I go to restaurants, I rarely have to pay. It's usually on the house. And then this one, he has a habit of getting, like, oddly and unexpectedly, and I believe unintentionally, to the point. Like, the, there's very rarely subtext. He just brings it straight up, and I don't think he recognizes it. Because he goes on to say, it's usually on the house. The sad part is, is if that I needed the money, they would make me pay. <laughs> Which oh. I think is about social class in America in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, he later says he can't be underestimated, except for every political mind in 2015. Yeah. Um, in addition to cutting straight to the, a little straight to the chase, uh, oddly at times, he also fulfills that idea of like, 2004 donald trump where it's just self-promotion he calls himself by his own name like not quoting other people talking about him he calls himself his own name uh three times in the book like he refers to himself in the third person several times uh, he calls himself the donald twice there's a story about how to landscape is another one i opened it to uh he tells a story of going up to a place liking the way the tree was lo looks and then buying the tree and this is how he explains that the situation goes down I'll be driving down the hallway, see a great tree, and ask my limo driver to pull over. I'll knock on the door. Usually, a woman will answer the door and say, and I'll say, hi, lady. Which, first of all. <laughs> I just, like, what would your reaction be if you just opened your door and there was Donald Trump being like, hi, lady. Hi, lady. I'd like to buy your tree. Uh, she says, hi, lady. I like to, I love to buy your tree. Which is... Odd enough, like, is he a door-to-door -door tree buyer instead of vacuum salesman? Like, why is he doing any of this himself? Doesn't he have, like, people that he can... Oh, well, you know you need to keep your eye on the ground or else your business is going to go to crap. That's one of his things. Oh, that makes total sense. Uh, but the funniest part is that this is the usual way this happens, according to him. And he goes on to say, I love to buy your tree. 
And then she'll say, oh my God, it's Donald Trump. I can't believe it's, this is happening. And then I'll tell her that I'm building a golf course nearby, like the one I'm building in Los Angeles, right along the Pacific Ocean. Usually I'll get the tree. I've bought a lot of great trees that way. Like, I love that his usual thing is a woman saying, oh my God, it's Donald Trump. Can you believe it? And then I, I, I imagine her like, fanning herself like a southern debutante and i'm getting the vapors i can't believe this is happening my to me. goodness gracious it's a donald trump i'll be darned this uh book was unlucky enough to come out shortly after the first season of the apprentice so when like donald trump was introduced to the masses i was 12 years old in 2004 which yeah you're really old listener but it's really weird throwback to go to back to th- 2004 because it doesn't seem that long ago. Mm-hmm. But that's 12 years ago. It's a long time. And he, there's one spot where he explains that he's trying to break into the bottled water market. Which. That's so weird. Which really throws you back that bottled water used to be like a new thing and a thing that stand-up comedians talked about. It's weird to think about a bottled water market. Like, I just imagine Trump, like, sitting up in his office, like, fingertips together, like, how can hmm, we get, how can I break into this market? This water's the most refreshing, most splendiferous water that will go past your fat lips. Uh, he talks about stuff in 2004 that looked bad in 2008. For example, recent events have made investors look bad, he said in 2004. Uh, so that was kind of some foreshadowing for 2008. He later explains, even in the worst economy, there's no excuse to put money under the bed, he says, four years before he and every other person involved with even a a passing uh, glance at real estate goes broke. In another chapter, it's called Ten Amazing Minutes. It is two paragraphs long, and I want to read it to you in its entirety, just to really get the uh, Donald Trump experience. Steve Wynn, who apparently is another real estate guy. Uh, recently called and told me he was about to bid on a great painting of Vermeer. The auction was taking place at Sotheby's in London, and Steve asked me to listen in on the bidding process. It was very interesting, especially for someone like me who has never been a big buyer of paintings. Steve loves this Vermeer painting, and usually what Steve wants, he gets. All right. The bidding began at $10 million and quickly escalated to $24 million when Steve entered the fray. People began to drop out, and finally it was just Steve and one other bidder until Steve ended up winning at $30 million. It was a really amazing 10 minutes, and Steve now has a painting by an artist whose work will probably never go to market again. I look forward to seeing it. That is that is the entirety of that chapter. It then just goes on for to People Magazine. But why? But why did you include this? You didn't why even. Why was that necessary? You, like you didn't even do this. That's that's the kind of witticism and straight to the pointness you can expect from Donald Trump. Uh, he also has the Mar-a-Lago uh, Resort in Palm Beach, which he insists on talking about all the time. But the Sea to Lake Resort, Mar-a-Lago. I guess it's also with hyphens. Just like real Spanish. The book advertises that it also includes the Mar-a-Lago diet, so you can be rich and thin. And these are the four points, because it does not list like a, a recipe book or ingredients or recommended entrees. It, rec- it has four points to the Mar-a-Lago diet. Easy peasy. These are the four points to the Mar-a-Lago diet. I don't know if I'm ready for this. <clears throat> One, it has to be served in the fantastic setting. Two, it has to look fantastic. Three, it has to taste incredible. Four, 
It cannot make you gain weight. <laughs> no. Yeah. To summarize the Mar-a-Lago diet, one, it has to be served in a fantastic setting. It has to look fantastic. To like get a thesaurus, Donald Trump's co-writer. Three, it has to taste incredible. Okay. And four, it cannot make you gain weight. <laughs> to summarize the diet, you should be dieting. I want to make millions on a diet plan that essentially just says, don't eat food that makes you fat. <laughs> like, I'm, your, I'm your new nutritionist. Uh, stop eating stuff that makes you fat. If anyone actually took that seriously, like, I just... Um, outrageous. He also talks about the time he was on Saturday Night Live, the non-recent time that people protested. Uh, it goes on way too long and nothing interesting happens in it. Uh, he later goes into a, an hour-by-hour breakdown of one week in his life. And I'm just seeing the amount of pages it is, because it's frankly disturbing. Uh, 192 to 155. That would be 37 pages. That's good math by me, real quick. I should be a billionaire. Uh, 37 pages. Other sections are three pages at most. One's as small as a single paragraph. And he spends 37 pages, just hour by hour, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, talking about what he did that day. And you would not believe the amount of people, famous people, that he says call him. And just like, hey, Donald Trump, you're really good. And he says, thank you, I am. And then they hang up. That's the whole conversation. That's I basically mean, the whole conversation. I call my friends all the time and just am like, hey, Mick, you are great. And then hang up the phone. We do that every day, right? That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. That's about it for the crazy stuff that happens like explicitly in the book, but implicitly. And it's really weird because he cuts to his own chase, like I said before. There's no subtext with Donald Trump. Uh, he's very forthcoming with this weird amount of info that lead me to the conclusion and at this point there's nothing new to say about donald trump all the think pieces in the world have already been written but this is something that i had never noticed even pre-campaign trail he has absolutely no opinions or thoughts for himself he only believes what other what people who other people have told him are important tell him to interesting so he does not come up with anything original on his own it is only listening to other people uh and saying what they he thinks they agree with he is the like for the guy who's supposed to be anti-pc and saying what everyone else is thinking and doing it his own way he is the world's biggest shill he just spouts off whatever information he thinks would make the people he's spouting off about be happy if you're nice to donald trump you're the greatest person in the world. If you're willing to pay him positive amounts of attention, then he loves you. For instance, he got on NBC with The the Apprentice, and you would not believe what a big fan of Jay Leno he is. They're both hard workers, and they both love a laugh. Just because they're on the same channel, now he's best friends with Jay Leno. It's really weird because it's like the complete opposite of what he tries to portray himself as. He just believes the last thing he's told all the time. He admits five or six things change the way I look at the world every day, he says. So the way that he looks at the world, like his fundamental beliefs about the world change multiple times a day? Multiple times a day just based upon what people tell him. And this is like self-admitted. So he's... a. 60-year-old billionaire, like 6-year-old man. Basically. Um, Is he actually 78? He's pretty old. Really? Yeah. Huh. 
I began by discussing the power of the media, which is something that Donald Trump should know well. When okay. Jean-Georges, the wonderful restaurant in the Trump International Hotel and Tower, first opened, I told Chef Jean-Georges, which, frankly, that's pretty great, Verachten, that I absolutely hated the interior design. He comes up with his own opinion. I hate the interior design. And as we heard from that snippet, he thinks interior design is important. I hated the interior design, and I didn't even want to eat there because of it. He said, Mr. Trump, I want people to notice the food, not the decor. I thought this was the one of the greatest lines of pure bullshit I'd ever heard and told him so. Sorry for the language. Then the New York Times wrote an absolute rave review of the food, giving the restaurant its highest rating, and suddenly, I thought the room looked pretty good after all. Like, I don't yeah. think that's what the story is trying to say, but it really comes across like, I only care what people think about things as long as they're positive. Like, he like, hated it. So then it. His, his opinion changed, or, like, he didn't care about that anymore because people liked it, so it didn't matter. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. He Okay, so he's a born and raised New Yorker. Yeah. What are the, let's have a, like, out-of-book talk expre- uh, test. What are the two football teams from New York? Oh, you are asking the wrong person. Um, the Giants? Mm-hmm. And the Jets? Yes, Is the Giants. Right? Oh, yeah. I got it! Nicely done. It's written the here on this page that you might have seen it. No, but. I didn't look at I didn't even look at um, it. I didn't even peek. What two cities in America do you think have the worst rivalry? Like sports rivalry? Or well, like... yeah. It, yeah, it goes across all sports, too, but it's too... We're New talking York about... and Boston? New York and Boston. Oh, those are the only two cities we visited, so yes. that was an easy question. <laughs> yes, nice hint. New York and Boston traditionally have a very, very heated oh, rivalry Oh, I didn't know other. that. Okay. Like the Yankees and the Red Sox. That's baseball. That's baseball. Yeah. <laughs> they hate each other, right? Very badly. I think badly. I knew that, yeah. yeah. I think I knew that. And the Giants and the Patriots hate each other. Cause one's oh, from I New didn't York know that. And one's from Boston. The okay. Jets and the Patriots hate each other, because one's from New York and one's from Boston. Okay. Uh, Donald Trump, a born and raised New Yorker, loves the Patriots from Boston. Why? Well, because Bob Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, calls him and pays attention to him. So all of a sudden, he's a huge fan of the Patriots and Tom Brady because they both take the time out to talk to him. He seems like a little kid. He seems really lonely. I feel bad. Like, he gets all these people and he's like, just pay attention to me. Daddy was too busy with real estate. And now (laughs) I just want people to talk to me. I hire my wives and... Oh, well. But, like, just because he gets talked to by an owner and a player, suddenly he's a huge fan of the team he should hate, being a lifetime New Yorker. He always claims about being New York, and New York's the greatest city in the world, uh, but he loves the Boston football team because their (laughs) owner likes them. Uh, He claims to like Greek philosophers and doesn't even, like, try to hide it. He says, because this dude I know is Greek. (laughs) That's his only reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know a dude who's Greek, and so I therefore like... I'm into Greek philosophy. Yeah, exactly. Not like Greek food or something nope. like more easily accessible. He reads Greek philosophy, he says, because of it. Uh, Rick Riley, to go back to sports, Rick Riley is a sports journalist. He's not that good. He's kind of like the old sports journalism before the internet was there when you could get away with being a really crappy sports writer. Uh, and now, like, the internet, one of the greatest things on the internet is its sports writing. I think the internet's done a fantastic, that's neither here nor there. But uh, Rick Riley interviewed him for one of his books that he wrote, and uh, he called back for another interview, and Donald Trump wouldn't do it. Not because the interview didn't go well, although apparently he was he was such a, I don't know what he did, he lied about how much he lost by or something. But Donald Trump wouldn't do the interview again with Rick Riley, not because the interview went poorly, but because newspapers 
were critical of Rick Riley's book. Like, so the, the newspapers were like, this book's not any good. No one should buy this. And so he didn't want to do an interview with Rick Riley anymore because someone else that he thinks is important, like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, said don't... Didn't like his book. Yeah, don't talk to Rick Riley anymore. So he goes, okay, and doesn't talk about Rick Riley anymore. That's so confusing. It's just really sad, and it's like... Well, but, I mean, it's sad, but I also don't want to be bad for Donald Trump. Like, that's not a thing oh, that yeah. I'm interested but, in being. But like I said, he, he doesn't believe in anything, Yeah. both in 2004, because he just believes what the last person has told him, and now he just believes in what gets him the loudest amount of applause on the campaign trail. So it's or, not... like, gets him the most amount of media attention. Yeah, yeah, so he's just really lonely. That's, like, my answer to Donald Trump. <laughs> and... Like, I think we uh, we are counting up to uh, double-digit plays of our last podcast. So, oh, man. Whoop, 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 whoop. And I still have the, the sneaking suspicion that somehow Donald Trump is going to catch wind of it and be like, these jokers in Iowa, they've only got 14 views. Sad. They're talking down on me. Like, that's how insecure and alone he is that he has to find the 14 plays podcast that talks down on him and we'll have to take it out because he's just really sad. And you know he's lying. Because this is what he said about L.A. Everyone knows it's the most glamorous and beautiful city in the country. L.A. The beautiful city of L.A. It's not even a city. It's just a giant traffic jam. Yeah, it is like Louis C.K. Just a big piece of litter. You can't litter in the city because the city's already litter. <laughs> anyway. So I I don't know. Like, I, you made good points about the book. You, you brought up some valid and interesting things. Part of me is still just really disappointed. Like, I, after the Dinesh D'Souza book last time, I decided I wanted to get you some nonfiction. I was wandering the shelves. I saw Trump. Like, I thought this was going to be golden. I thought this was going to be the worst book of all time. Like, even potentially worse than the Christmas sex book from last time. And I... I don't know. Like, I just, I feel a little let down by Donald J. Trump. You know, I think, I think I got you on this one. Uh, I did learn something. What'd you learn? Um, that Donald Trump assumes that $100,000 is an okay place to start as an example. And also that you're supposed to keep, so your age, I'm 23 years old. I'm supposed to keep 23% of my income in cash and other liquid capital. And the other 77% I'm supposed to keep as stocks, bonds, and risky capital. So this means as you get older, you are less risky with your money. And I was like, that actually makes sense. Yeah. And then I was like, damn it, Donald Trump. Yeah. Dang it. Although, it taught me something. <laughs> it is really funny. Like, I get that whole, like, as you get older, you're less risky with your money. Like, that's like that's sound advice, whatever. But it's just so foreign to me. I, like, 24 years old, just graduated from grad school, living in a one-bedroom apartment. Like, close to all of my income goes to, like, not being homeless and continuing to feed myself. So it's just, like... To to write a book and say that a hundred thousand dollars is a good starting point to talking about investments, I don't know. That's just like so well, out of. If you ever want to become world. a billionaire, you can write a book like this, which at its sale price went for the USA twenty one ninety five for this book. Gross. Which is why Donald Trump is a billionaire because he can sell three pages of semi relevant advice and name dropping. For $22 a pop to millions of people because they saw him on TV once and he said mean things. So that's Donald J. Trump. Donald Jerk Trump really took it to him. Mick Dickinson eviscerates Donald Trump on media. 
just like John Oliver. But uh, I went the other direction. I kind of took a page out of your book and got you some romance. Uh, was there anything jumping to attention in this book? You know, th- this book actually really downplayed the romance aspect of what? it. Like, are there we was, talking there was romance? Not as much, there was not as much doing it as, oh. I mean, like your book from last time was. And my Trump book. All romance. Um, <laughs> no, this book. Oh, 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 I'm, I'm really sorry. Uh, something else I want to mention about my book really quick. Uh, there are three, Rude. there are three, uh, breaks in the text where it's just pictures. <laughs> just, just photo glossy pictures of him and people. Like the ones that he puts, they put on like restaurant walls when oh, Brad man. Pitt stumbles in or something. Uh, so I thought that was very. I mean, uh, I feel like people who would actually spend $22 to purchase that book want to look at pictures of Donald Trump. So I guess that I suppose. makes sense. And his wife, or his fiance at the time, Melania, is that how you pronounce it? Uh-huh. Uh, looks really, really confused as to why she's there and also mad about it in every single picture. <laughs> so I will post she pictures really of does. this on the, uh, the blog. I'll try to scan it in. But she just looks furious and confused as to why she is there. She really does. It, I think it's because she, that's like the the supermodel face. Why are there so many pictures of Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, that's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, that's Regis Never mind. Your way off. But like, why is his fiance looks confused and angry that she is in every single picture with him? Which frankly makes me respect her even more. I'm sorry. The Accidental Werewolf by Dakota Werewolf. By Dakota Cassidy. Oh well, whatever. So, this book. While downplaying the whole romance aspect, really, really brought to the forefront the terrible writing aspect that I think we were really <laughs> looking for when we started this whole exercise. This is the worst written book I've ever seen. Choosers and we, of the Flame. It is, it is more poorly written than Choosers of the Flame. Oof. Which, in the first terrible book exchange that we did, Choosers of the Flame, read it on the blog was the first book I read and almost made me never want to do this again. But anyway, <laughs> so this book, first of all, it just kind of starts. Like, you, normal books have some sort of, like, character development yeah. or introduction to the character or the narrator, some sort of beginning. Like, you the, recognize it as, like, the development of the story. You, you know, you're getting the plot going. If, yeah, if the closing action is the denouement, would it be, like, the renouement? Something like that, yeah. So, this book doesn't have that, because apparently Dakota Cassidy does not believe in that at all. So, it just starts. Like, page one, first sentence, they are... Stop reading my notes. You read mine. Um, page one, sentence one, the main character, whose name is Marty Andrews. We have to go back, Marty! Um, she is in her living room. <laughs> she is not feeling very well, and she is arguing with a very hunky man who is informing her that the reason she doesn't feel well is because that dog bite that she sustained a few days ago was actually him. He's a werewolf, and he bit her, and now <laughs> no. she's a werewolf, too. No, 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 no. You are shitting me. It's not that he's w- she's with a different man and thinks back to it. It's It begins with them already in bed together. No, they're not in bed together. They're, like, sitting on the living room couch. Like, he, like, knock, knock, knock on the door... Like, I have to tell you that I bit you when I was in my dog form, and now you're a werewolf, and I need to help you does it, come to terms with what that means. So, Does it ever flash back? Yes, it so, does. Is this, like, what's the term? In media res or something like that? Where a movie begins in the middle, like Fight Club, um, and it flashes so back and that, it actually then starts? Or? That would sort of assume that it was done well, and it's not. <laughs> 
So I feel, you know, like, if they were going to do that, it would be more of like a well-defined flashback. So there's there's no real flashback. It's just like her thought process. And as they're sitting in the living room, she starts thinking back to a few nights ago when he when she got this dog bite. It's not like it's not like a flashback or like yeah. The story doesn't restart. No, but where like it's it, actually supposed to start. No. Ugh. It's awful, and it was really confusing. There was so much about this book that left me confused. Um. Like but that. in addition, so instead of, okay, so they're having this argument. He's telling her that she's a werewolf. She starts thinking back to the night that he bit her. But instead of, like, just recounting those events, it also includes a lot of her, like, mental train of thought about her job, which she is. She works for a door-to-door cosmetics company called Bobby Sue, which is, like, it's a straight ripoff of Mary Kay. Like, all all the way down to, like, there are different levels that you can get to, and each level has a different color, and when you get to the top level, Pink. you get, it's lavender, but oh. you get a lavender Escalade, which isn't, like, Mary Kay. You get to drive around a pink Escalade. That's, like, a thing at Mary Kay. Oh, that's um, I mean. But door-to-door cosmetics? Yeah. Like, knock, 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 would you like to buy some lipstick? You look pretty ugly. Buy our makeup. Pretty much, yeah. Like, two of her colleagues are calling her out that she basically accosted a woman at IHOP and was like, you're ugly and you need lip gloss and so I'm going to sell it to you. she's bad at her job? Well, she's apparently really good at it. Like, she gets, like, hundreds of units of sales, but everyone else thinks she's a psycho. And this is... get this, get this. Um, Marty has been unable to cultivate meaningful female friendships because of her drive and ambition. Because, you know... She's an ice queen. Door-to-door cosmetic salespeople have a lot of driving ambition. I just want to point out, this is copyright 2008. Yeah. Do door-to-door sales still exist in real life in 2008? I don't think so, because by that point, Facebook was, like, pretty prevalent, and people had started doing the whole, like, pampered chef parties, let me send you a Facebook invite or whatever, you know, like, the online stuff. Um, but there, there's no mention at all of the internet or any sort of like online community in this, except for email. That's the only thing. So she is super obsessed with this Bobby Sue cosmetics company and girl totally drank the Kool-Aid at Bobby Sue because the whole, I mean, probably like first five or six chapters, the way that she speaks is so irritating because she just speaks in this like Bobby Sue cosmetic salesperson language. Vernacular. And so everything includes the word color so it's all like my season of color my color wheel my color chi my color aura and she also like describes her emotions through use of the word color so she'll be like color me doomed or color me curious that explains it then yeah the back of the book on the like top when it begins the paragraph the descriptor paragraph it says color me bitten i still can't believe her name's marty and it's not even Marty with an I. I thought it would be Marty with an I. That's cutesier. It's like Back to the Future. Yeah. I so, don't know, Doc. This is heavy. I'm a werewolf. After going on and on and on for pages about her job and this Bobby Sue Cosmetics Company, we finally get to the part where on her way home from a Bobby Sue meeting, um, Marty is walking her dog, and then her dog starts to go crazy. Her dog is a little teacup poodle named Muffin. Adorable. Yeah. And so she's walking Muffin. Muffin starts to go crazy. Um, And then all of a sudden, like, this dog, this huge dog comes out of nowhere. 
and Muffin bites the dog and Marty's trying to get Muffin away from the dog and then her hand somehow winds up in the dog's mouth and so she gets bitten and she feels electricity shoot through her veins when the dog bites her and then she like goes home like nothing happens. It's the Grim. Yeah, it's, it's the Grim. It's, Someone's gonna die. It's Sirius Black. He's returned. <laughs> He's back. He's escaped from Azkaban. <laughs> so she like goes home and pretty much forgets about it. Like nothing has happened. And then doesn't get like shots. No, no shots. That'd be doesn't pretty... doesn't like call the police and say like, oh, there's a crazy dog that bit me and attacked my teacup poodle. Like maybe you should do something about this so someone DMX. else doesn't get bitten. And then, like, days following the bite, in all capital letters, she starts to, like, notice some weird changes, like her hair, which is always dyed a particular color of blonde, um, starts to change color and, like, it turns, like, a darker brown, and she has to, like, shave her legs, like, three times a day because they get really hairy. She's a vegan, but she starts, like, craving meat, and she's been, like, super moody and angry, that's and then she, like, gets in a fight with someone at work because someone named Linda from Bobby Sue stole her accounts. And she, like, got angry at Linda and she sprouted a tail and fangs. Thankfully, she managed to hide that from everybody. But so she comes home and then um, Keegan, who's the hunky man who bit her, um, he knock, knock, knocks on the door. And so he's trying to explain to her, like, I'm a werewolf blah, 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 I accidentally bit you, now you're a werewolf too, this hasn't happened for hundreds of years, oh, by the way, I'm the alpha male of my pack, because of course, because of course he's the alpha male of his pack. Wait, 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 like, hundreds of years? Yeah. So there hasn't been a new werewolf in hundreds of years? No, they're all purebred werewolves, like, they only breed with each other. There are, like, multiple werewolf packs, and they all live in upstate New York, and they work for the same cosmetics company, a rival <laughs> cosmetics company. It yes. keeps getting better. A the... rival cosmetics company called Pack Cosmetics. Oh. I thought it'd be, like, H-E-R-S-U-I-T. Hersuit. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> oh, come so on. So, he works for Pack Cosmetics, um, and he's the alpha male. What? talent of werewolves goes towards cosmetics they should be in a razor company or like a drug sniffing ring um you know it is funny though the writing in this book let me hear it it's awful um so i don't think dakota cassidy really understands like the use of adjectives or like sentence structure and so her her writing style i think she tries to be really trendy like i think she thinks that's really cute and clever but she just tries way too hard so this is this was a sentence that was used in one of the opening in one of the opening pages this was a case of cosmic cruelty by color wheel faux pas in the first degree like what do those words mean what are you trying to accomplish with this sentence alliteration you just threw a bunch of things in there um, other phrases that I found incredibly irritating were, um, she was eyeball deep, fed up with it. Like, I just don't, like, <laughs> sh- uh, Marty references her Richter scale of sanity. Um, what? No, wait. Yeah. So, if something goes off the charts, it's more sane? Yeah, that's apparently her Richter scale of sanity, so... The more off the charts things get, the more rational so Marty becomes. It, so, 
Marty is normally a very, like, mild-mannered young woman. She doesn't use curse words. But when she gets bitten, man, those curse words fly. She uses the F word, like, every other sentence. And it's often in times when it's just not necessary. It's like some of the video games where you play where there's just gratuitous amounts of cursing. And you're like, why? Why are you doing this? Are you just trying to be edgy? Like, this purple book about a werewolf cosmetic sales rep is trying to be edgy? Why are you using so many F-words? Wait, wait, wait. The werewolves are in a, a rival cosmetics firm? Yes. The werewolves run a rival cosmetic company. I'm still getting used to that idea. <laughs> it keeps getting better, don't worry. Oh, no. Um, so, in addition to all of the F-words, Marty also tosses out some really, really great phrases um, in place of curse words, like freaky deaky Dutch. God save the queen. Jesus Christ in a miniskirt. That's her personal favorite. That one gets used a lot. Big fat wankers. And I don't give a flying Dutchman. So, like, I feel like you either have to pick one. You either have to commit to the alternative weird curse word substitutions. Or you need to just, like, use actual curse words. Not crackers. Not not a gratuitous combination of both. Like, it's just so obnoxious and she uses so many metaphors that are unnecessary and don't make any sense um this first one his intense gaze deep dark twin pools she feared she might get lost in like why why do we need to it's like she took a writing class once about like using descriptive imagery and then just went too far with it (laughs) um and then oh this one i had to read multiple times before i understood what she was trying to say Rubbing her eyes, Marty realized she hadn't taken off her mascara last night before she'd fallen into bed like she'd just fought and won the Third World War single-handedly. So, okay, I'm lucky enough to be able to read your notes to go back over this. So the action is rubbing her eyes. Mm-hmm. She realized she hadn't taken off her mascara last night. She could have ended the sentence there. Yeah, before she f- had fallen into bed. She could end the sentence there, too. Like, she just fought and won the... So, the last half of the sentence, like, she just fought and won the third world single-handedly, describes the middle third of the sentence before she'd fallen into bed, which describes the first third of the sentence. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It's regressive. (laughs) It's just... There were several other sentences like that. I will get to even worse ones. Like, it just... I had to read them multiple times to figure out, like, is there a subject and predicate? I felt like I was back in Mrs. Hare's first grade class, like, talking about reading. There's lots of Mrs. Hare when you're a werewolf. Apparently. Um, (laughs) There's lots of Mrs. Hare. So, back to plot. Um, Quotes. Yeah. The plot, if there is one, (laughs) if you can call it a plot. So, we kind of go back and forth in the middle of the book between Keegan and Dakota. Oh, no, no, wait, before we get to there. Nope. So, there's some there's some important things here that further the plot along. So, um, this sentence, this is another very confusing sentence to read. A smudge of a black figure, quick and skulking, followed by the unyielding pavement her head crashed against were the last things she saw. <laughs> like, wait, no, no, she can't see the pavement if... It's behind her. So that was another one that I had to read about half a dozen times before I could figure out what the heck was going on. But if she had re like if she had put the parts of the that sentence in different were... order, it would make more sense because essentially 
This is saying this. Marty got smashed in the head with a heavy object, got stashed in the trunk of a car, and is now in the middle of nowhere with two hitmen. That all happened in the last paragraph of a chapter. Like, all of this action. Like, you listen to her whine about whatever color wheels for an entire chapter, and then in the last two sentences, she gets kidnapped by a bunch of randos. What's the motive? Well, that's what no one ever really figures out. So, plot points aren't very important. So, she manages to get away from this kidnapper by kicking her way out of the trunk because she's a werewolf. She just gets (laughs) mad and just kicks the trunk, kicks her foot all the way through it, like claws herself out of the trunk while they're inside a quick star or whatever like getting a slurpee and runs into the woods i'm out they don't come (laughs) looking for her no one questions the vandalized car and because she's the werewolf she has like supernatural healing powers so her like bloodied skin from escaping from the trunk of the car heals instantly and instead of calling like i don't know like the police or whatever she uh she calls Keegan because she feels Michael like Keegan. this has something to do with um, the werewolf <laughs> thing, and so he comes and gets her and he whisks her away to his um family home, his werewolf lair up in upstate New upstate New York. Um, they are hugely wealthy because they own this cosmetics company, Naturally. of course. Um, so he like basically hides her there to keep her safe. All this great stuff. And that's when we get the sexiness and the sexual tension and all that good stuff. Um, Until he just starts humping her leg. (laughs) (laughs) The writing, I think, got worse during the sex scenes. And there weren't that many sex scenes. I was expecting there to be more. I think there were only, like, there was, like, one and a half. Mm. Um, There was, like, an interrupted one and then an actual one. But, like all romance novels do, the author refers to, like, their parts their parts in like really gross ways or like weird and awkward ways like marty's lady parts are referred to as her femininity her core and her sex <laughs> like that's like that's awkward i don't i don't want you to call it that so when she's doing planks at the gym she's working on her core yeah apparently hey, kegels um so then keegan is described in all sorts of great and tacky and awful ways. There are whole paragraphs that are dedicated to his lip-smacking butt. His big, (laughs) strapping, rippled, cut, sculpted body. Yep, that is five adjectives describing his body. Um, And his astastic derriere. It's truly noteworthy butt. It's truly noteworthy butt. Um, The best one, astastic, that one's used multiple times too. Um, At one point, Keegan and Marty are sitting on the couch together, and we are treated to this amazing sentence, which might be my favorite sentence in all of creation. The crunch of the leather beneath his yummy butt crackled in her ears. His butt crunches and crackles. What? <laughs> it's yummy? What? Fantastic. Oh my goodness. So, all of this is happening. There's lots of sexual tension. Keegan is really worried about how the Lunar Council, because there's a Lunar Council, the werewolves in charge. Apparently. Oh, I thought it had to do with periods. Um, so I thought that <laughs> oh. I, I'm ignoring that. I thought that uh, Keegan was the alpha male, but apparently he's the alpha male of his pack. The Lunar Council is in charge of all of the werewolf packs. I guess they make the laws, and so Keegan is sounds is rough. Up. <laughs> 
also Keegan is upset because he does not think that the Lunar Council is going to let him marry Marty because what? they want him to marry a purebred. And he's oh, afraid they're not going to accept her. And then Marty's really jealous of this girl who was slated to be Keegan's wife mate, but he doesn't want her. And she's really mean. And like all this stuff that we spend a ton of time worrying about when like we're not really paying a whole lot of attention to the fact that Marty has been kidnapped once. And then in the middle of this, a second kidnapping attempt is made. But no one really cares. They're all just, like, continuing to worry about other things. Um, so she's basically, like, lounging around in his house and fantasizing about getting into his pants. And she's, like, being mad about the council. And she's worried because she hasn't learned yet how to fully shift, which is, like, what it's called, I guess, when you turn That's into a werewolf. That's my other werewolf book that you got. Yeah. Um, and she's worrying about her Bobby Sue clients and all this stuff, like, you know, not not too concerned about, I don't know, who kidnapped her and hit her over the head and threw her in a trunk. I guess, you know, we're not going to worry too much about that at all. I bet. Because we were getting to, this book had 17 chapters in it. We got to chapter 13, and there was still nothing. Like, there was no rising action. There was no act two. It was all just, like, <laughs> Marty continuing to be annoying. And then a bunch of sexual tension between her and Keegan, and also they were fighting. And can we talk about that, too? Why in romance novels are the two main characters, the man and the woman, always, they always hate each other? Because... Does that make for better romance novels? Well, because everyone wants the fantasy of, like, literally ripping clothes off of each other. Angry sex seems to be the most fun sex to read about, I guess. They just, like, they always hate each other. Plus there's gonna be clawing involved with the werewolf. Gross. But I wouldn't worry too much. I bet that Keegan. Yeah. I bet his bark is worse than his bite. <laughs> I wouldn't worry too much either because, you know, werewolves heal supernaturally fast. It's true. Everybody knows that. So, again, we're, we're to, like, chapter 13 or 14 out of 17. There's not a whole lot of time left. Nothing is really happening. The full moon happens. Everyone else in the pack shifts and runs around together. It's apparently, like, a big thing. <laughs> like, running with the pack is, like, their big celebration. It's, like, their family barbecue. <laughs> every month and marty gets really jealous that she can't shift and she's like crying about it and then she and keegan bang hey guys we got a bouncy castle for the full moon and then, <laughs> like everybody comes over to keegan's house for this event does the fire department come over and wonder why like there's so many more fire hydrants placed around the yard it's like <laughs> oh well we had to have some place to go you know in their shifted forms, do they just sniff each other's butt all night instead of making small talk? I don't know, apparently. Hmm. I, I guess. You should have um, said, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, she's crying because she can't shift, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, so, like, they have sex again. Then she gets upset because she feels like she's never going to be accepted as part of the pack. She leaves him, like, sleeping in his bed. She well, steals you know what they say. his sister's car. You should let him lie. Yeah. <laughs> so she leaves him sleeping in bed. She steals his sister's car. Promptly crashes said car because someone runs into her. Well, women the are The person drivers. who ran into her kidnaps her, brings her to his apartment in Queens, or like his house in Queens, throws her in a basement, is threatening her with a knife. I mean, this literally happened in about three paragraphs, all of it. Like, we spent 
chapters listening to her whine about Bobby Sue color wheels and then all of the action happens in about 20 sentences. It was so perplexing. Like, where's all of that detail that you invested into talking about his lip-smacking mm-hmm. butt? Like, can we can we <laughs> talk about who the heck just kidnapped her? Do you think while she's being kidnapped, she hangs her head out the window? <laughs> when the guy's asleep in bed and she leaves him, is he, like, every once in a while twitching? And she's like, oh, that's cute. He's chasing, he's chasing rabbits. <laughs> so, okay, this is where this is where he gets really good. Uh, don't don't read my notes. I don't want anything to spoil this for you. Okay, I am putting a shirt over my head in the closet. Okay, so she finds out. She gets the guy talking mm-hmm. who kidnapped her because that's what you do when you get kidnapped and someone's trying to kill you. You get them talking. And his name is Terrence, and he is the son of Bobby Sue. Of Bobby the Sue Bobby Cosmetics Sue? fame. Yes, he is the son of Bobby Sue, Marty's makeup store boss. And he is the one who has kidnapped her. He is threatening her with a knife. He is going to kill her. And she's trying to figure out, Terrence, why are you doing this? And the answer is because she is his half-sister. <laughs> she is his wait, half-sister. Wait. Please, God, do not tell me that the other guy is her, her other brother. No. No okay, worries there. Goodness. No, No worries there. Um, so she is his half-sister and therefore partial heir to the Bobby Sue uh, fortune. And he is upset. He is not having any of it. He does not want her to have his money or his share in the company. Because way back in the day, Terrence's dad... Bobby Sue. No, no, no. His name is Donald. Bobby Sue's the lady. Oh. Bobby Sue is Terrence's mom. Oh. And her husband, Donald... J. Trump. ...had an affair with Marty's mom... And after all these years, he's figured out who she is, and he wants to give her part of his shares of the company. Oh, well, that's nice of him. Yeah. Um, because apparently he runs the business, and he has all the money and all of the like control, economic control over the business. Put, you can't put women in charge of the company. Even though it's Bobby Sue's company. I was kind of bitter about that. Like, really? So he, Terrence has decided that instead of sharing with this sibling that he didn't know he had, he's going to kill her. Um, but it's a good thing why she's a werewolf! Hey, why don't they just, like, kiss and... Make up. <laughs> oh my god. This has given you too many opportunities for bad puns. Sorry. Um, she's so a werewolf. She's a werewolf, thank god. Um, because in the last, like, two hours since she's been kidnapped, she's learned how to shift. Oh good! Two chapters ago, she was crying about how she couldn't do it and she was left out of the pack, but now she can do it. She turns into a werewolf and doesn't, like, attack Terrence or harm him at all. He is just rendered completely incapacitated by fear. So he's like cowering in the corner of this basement crying and she's just like hanging out licking her paws she doesn't even leave no no but keegan magically shows up oh, because good. i mean i don't Follow know how, small. but yeah because we need to advance the plot and he takes marty away and just sort of assumes that no one is going to talk about the fact that she turned into a werewolf well then the guy would have to answer why he had her in her basement i suppose also no one does anything about the Terrence guy who kidnapped her and tried to kill her. <laughs> they don't address it at all. They don't arrest him. They don't call the cops. Nothing happens. He goes back to Bobby Sue like nobody's business. Hey, you know what? I guess this makes her the heir of the dog. <laughs> you know why, though? And this why is, is that? This is a direct quote. Um, the reason that they didn't they didn't do any of that was because violence is so ugly and unbabe like. That is a sentence 
publish babe like in this book Ugh. so because we have to wrap up every single one of our plot points everything is fine now and the mean ex-girlfriend <laughs> was magically um involved in the whole kidnapping bit so she goes to jail so marty doesn't have to um worry about her at all marty also begins an excellent relationship with her long-lost father the werewolf council actually didn't care at all about Marty and Keegan getting married, so that's fine. Oh. And we didn't do anything about the guy that kidnapped Marty and threatened her with a knife. Does she we not, just let him go. Does, does she know that resolving plots does not is not the same as undoing them? Like, saying, oh, actually, it wasn't a problem in the first place is yeah. not a resolution. It's like... When sometimes when authors will write an epilogue when they decide that like every single person has to have a happy ending, uh. and so they include every single character in the epilogue, like that's how this felt. It was very frustrating. But so the 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 capper of this magical book, <laughs> the best part is in the end, in the final chapter, um, Marty and Keegan. Uh, who are, like, dating now. It's six mm-hmm. months later. Oh. Um, they go to visit her two old friends from Bobby Sue. Their names are Nina and Wanda. They try to be relevant in the story, but they're really not. Um, and well, One's just a little girl. Marty is, like, gearing them up to, like, she's going to make this big announcement. It's something life-changing. Wanda is really optimistic, and she's like, is it a big business deal? Like, mm-hmm. something happened with Pat Cosmetics? Like, we're, like, trying to be excited like for her ambitious friend um and it's it's an even bigger deal than that so nina's like are you getting married and marty shows them a keychain that is shaped like a ring and has an actual diamond in it it is a keychain that holds her keys and that's what she's so excited to tell them um that this is her keychain and this keychain was a promise from keegan that when they decide they're ready to get engaged, he's going to have it remade into an actual engagement ring. But for now, it's just a keychain because this book is insane. Is that why you threw the book across the room? Yes. This all makes sense. (laughs) You don't actually resolve any of your plot points. Nothing happens. In three quarters of this book, all the action is relegated to 20 lines in the last three chapters. And you end it with a keychain? That is crazy. Yeah. She really didn't unlock her potential. <laughs> it's just... I expected it to end with an engagement ring. Like That's, that's, that's how all, that's how yeah, all romance, romance novels end. But it's a... I, I'm just so utterly perplexed by that concept. Who it's, does that? Are they going to shrink the keychain down to her ring size? <laughs> that's the difference between you and I then, because I'm like, are they going to expand this key ring out? So what if she loses her keys? <laughs> She's SOL then. I get, like, does it? Or does her werewolf thing come up again with the shaving of the legs? Is she just, like, hairy now? No, that's, that's never talked about. I I don't know if, like, maybe now that she knows how to shift like that will only happen when she's in wolf form and she'll be fine when she's in human form so as we close this out i want to take a moment to read some of the truly heartbreaking and wonderful acknowledgments that dakota cassidy writes the beginning of this stunning masterpiece dare you people that helped her yeah i hold you responsible so she thanks her agent 
um, and says the word fear just isn't in her color wheel. That's because fear is an emotion, Dakota, and not a color. And what is a color wheel? I just really want to know what a color wheel is. Actually, I don't. She also <laughs> thanks her husband, whose name is Rob. And she says, last but never least, Rob, my knight on a shining dirt bike and the master of a Killa title. Killa, by the way, is spelled K-I-L-L-A. Finding you was like finding an endless fountain of Starbucks low-fat white chocolate mocha and I love you like a buttload. First of all, if I ever use that many adjectives to place a Starbucks order or compare you to Starbucks, please shut me down. Second, what is with this woman and adjectives? Why do we need this many adjectives? Like, not only in her writing, but also in her real life and her Starbucks orders. And that final part, I love you like a buttload, there's no commas. There's... No commas. There's no commas. And love you like a buttload. No commas, no punctuation. So it's not, I love you like a buttload or whatever. It's, I love you in the same way that I love a buttload. Yes. So she is a, uh, like a drug mule that really enjoys her work. She loves him like a buttload. Apparently. 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 Or she just never learned how to correctly use punctuation. I'm going with that one. So I'm going to go with that one. I hold you personally responsible, people that helped Dakota Cassidy get on the publishing page. Oh, Dakota. How did you do this? Well, Why did you do this? Did the guy ever get arrested, the kidnapping guy? No. So they never collared him? Oh, my God. Anyway, Werewolf that... books give you too many opportunities for puns. That will do us uh, for this episode of Bibliovile. You heard me discuss Donald J. Trump and Sue discuss Dakota Cassidy's The Accidental Werewolf, uh, part of her accidental work, I guess. Accidentally published should be the name I of the series. I don't know if I can ever read a book again after <laughs> that one. I really don't. Well, with that closing <laughs> argument, thank you for listening all the way to the end again. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a good night, Matt.